0: Hey, uh, some of you are in the room right now. It's your first time here, <laughs> and you're saying, "Thelma, we're in the wrong church." <laughs> we uh, we are uh, doing a series that we call uh, "Simply Irresistible," and uh, what we're really talking about for the next few weeks is. What is it that God is doing in this place? And what are the core values? What are the things that make this place a unique place, a different place, a a place that people are are just kind of attracted to? We hear all the time, people are driving by and they go, I I don't know why I pulled in. I don't know. The police officer is just, I did it. I, (laughs) I saw the purple doors. I thought, Barney. And you know, I... You know, I don't know why I'm here, but but they get here and God does something in their hearts and does something in their lives and they go, you know, I'm just, I'm hooked. I'm here. I love this place. And you just need to hear that your staff knows it's not us. We, we sit in staff meeting every Tuesday morning just going, is it incredible what God is doing here? And, and we, we get that the sum total of our abilities and our smarts and, and whatever that is, is nowhere near what God is doing in this place. And that it is truly, honestly, God's favor upon us that's happening here. And so then that begs the question for you and I to come back and say, well, why is God's favor here? And and what is God doing? And I believe that one of the reasons that God is pleased to be doing something in this place is because of these distinctives, these things that we have embraced and said, this is what we are going to be about as a church. You remember last week we talked about the idea of risk. And we said, you know, that may be one of the most defining things within our church because risk is not a thing you hear about a whole bunch in church. And we talked about Peter and the idea that that although he gets bad rap, the guy walked on water. He took seven steps or whatever it was for Jesus and the rest of the guys were in the boat. And then we simply said, we would rather be a church that takes seven steps for Jesus and fails than to be hugging the rails of the boat. And that we realize that everything that's incredible or amazing that God has ever done has always involved his people getting uncomfortable and getting outside the boat. And and so we just said that's that's who we want to be. We want to be the first ones to jump into the water for Jesus. And today, in case you didn't kind of get to just it, we're going to talk about the future. And, and, and the idea of being a church who is always looking and saying to God, 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 look, we're not content to be here. We're not satisfied in this moment. What is it that you still want to do with us? What is it that, that you prepared us before, before we were even born? Why did you dream of a church here? And, and what is next for us? And so we're going to talk about that today a little bit. What does it mean to be that type of church, a next church, a future thinking church? So let's pray real quick. And then we're just going to dig into scripture and talk about this a little bit today. Dearest Heavenly Father, we, we come before you. And, and God, I just want to say out loud, I love being here. I, I am so thankful just to be a part of what you are doing. And I just say out loud, God, it's you. But thank you, thank you, thank you for inviting me. And God, I just ask that you would take us as a church and that you would just hone our hearts in on those things which have been, I believe, the values that have delighted your heart and have been part of what you've done so far. And God, that we would become even more committed, even more sold out to being the kind of church, to being a simply irresistible presence in Chandler, Arizona. God, this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen when i 'm uh growing up, there was a church in our community that was absolutely vibrant. I mean it was the church. you could not live within our community and not hear what was going on at that church i didn 't even attend that church, but I was almost jealous of that church because God kept showing up over there and you just went, "How is that and, and, and why isn 't that happening at my church and and, and it was just an amazing, amazing, powerful moment within the, all the neighborhoods surrounding that particular church. I drive by that church every once in a while and wonder, when did the glory leave? When did that moment get lost? Did people change their minds? Did, did sin... Right? What happened that that church is no longer a place of glory? And it's it's no longer a place where God seems to show up every single Sunday. I think maybe it never was a decision. I think maybe from the very beginning, their DNA was set so that their lifespan, their glory span was going to be short. You realize that every church is like a human. There's a life cycle. There's a life expectancy to a church. But that life expectancy can be changed based on where the hearts of the people are. See, some churches have very short life expectancies and some go tremendously long. And I believe the answer to that is what we're going to talk about today. It's what they place their eyes on. Let me help. I'm not not throwing stones. We're just talking, right? You and I have all gone to the church where all they talk about the church is what used to be. Remember when is their motto. And they all gather around, you know, for uh, their potlucks and they share green jello and carrots and, and talk about the glory days. You realize if, if you're a church that talks about remember when, you've already got one foot in the grave. You're, you're already done because you are never going to recreate the past You're never going to bring remember when back. And and how much healthier to say, no, no, no. What could God do than to say, remember when God used to show up? And you just need to hear me say, if we ever become a church of remember when, if we're ever sitting around saying, remember when God used to move in our services? Remember when lives used to get changed? Just count me out, man. I'm gone. And I hope you're gone too. I hope your heart would never be satisfied to be a church of remember when. Some of us have visited churches that look healthy, look vibrant. But if you were to dig down just a little bit, you, you would find out that they are churches of here and now. See, they're, they're drunk on their own success and they would say, no, no, no. We are completely, completely happy. We like the way we are. We like who we are. We like who's in the room. And the truth is we're not sure if there's even room for anybody else. Because if somebody else came into the room, they probably wouldn't like them very much and they would ruin us. So we'll just, we'll just stay us. We'll just, we'll just be us because I like us. And, and don't bother me with them because them are weird. <laughs> and you just need to know that every church that begins to say that has a cancer and their life expectancy has already been determined because you will live only as long as the people in the room and i just want to suggest that there's a third type of a church that there's a third way of thinking about this that that's not about remember when and it's not about me and now and we're okay that's a church that says i wonder what god still wants i wonder you ready what's next Because see, as long as you and I are always available for God's next, there's always life. Next. Grab your Bibles this morning. We're going to take a look at a king. Who was the king of me and now. And he sells out next. He misses next because he's pretty sure it's about what makes him happy, what makes him content. And he's pretty sure that his own success is enough success. And therefore, he sells and gives away next. If you have your Bibles, you can go with me. It's Second Kings. And if you're not real familiar this morning, if you just go to the front of your Bible, Second Kings is an Old Testament book, which simply means it's toward the front. So you can go to the front and start turning to the right. I'll give you a huge hint. If you get to 1 Kings, you're close. <laughs> See, the Bible's not as hard as you thought, right? Second Kings, chapter 20. We're going to jump into the life of a king by the name of Hezekiah. And I'll give you just a little bit of background while you're still going there. Hezekiah is a good king. Matter of fact, is going to say Hezekiah is a good king. This isn't a carnal man. This isn't an evil man. He's a good man. The problem is he is a man about me, and he is a man about now. And he is going to give away next. See, if you had gone back and looked at the reign of Hezekiah, he actually came in in a very troubled time in the life of Israel. There was all sorts of idol worship going on. Hezekiah tore down the idols. He came to the people. He said, no, 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 no. We're going to worship God. If you had looked at the reign of Hezekiah, you would have said, no, no, no. This, this guy is right, right on track. He is a king of me. He is a king of now, and his legacy dies with him because he sells out next. 2 Kings, chapter 20. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. That's a bad visit from the preacher. (laughs) Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. This is what the Lord, the God of your father, David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake. And for the sake of my servant, David, now guys, at this point, you and I ought to be amazingly encouraged because you realize what just happened. Isaiah comes to Hezekiah, and says, Hezekiah, you're you're dead. God's already decided. That's how the plan works. You're going to die. We're moving on. And in that moment, Hezekiah makes an appeal. He says, God, 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 wait, wait. I've been faithful. I've been an obedient king. I've been a good godly king. Please, please, please don't let me die. And God says, Okay. All right, I'll give you 15 more years which, which ought to encourage you and I to simply say this, you realize prayer changes things. That that something happens when you and I pray. It, and it's actually possible to say to God, God, wait wait wait, I know this is but could we and the prayer changes things. As a matter of fact, scripture simply says this, the prayer of a righteous man or woman changes scripture would say it avails much prayer makes a big difference is what scripture is simply saying so it's a great moment it's a cool moment it's a God moment in the life of Hezekiah everything's good at this point it's what Hezekiah does with the 15 years that's a problem it's what he does and doesn't do next that will forever mark him as king jump with me down Verse 12. At that time, Merodach, Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of Hezekiah's illness. Hezekiah received the messengers and showed them all that was in his storehouses the silver, and the gold, and the spices, and the fine oil. His armory, where all his weapons were, and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all of his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show to them. Don't let what just happened pass. You get what's happened. The king of Babylon hears that Hezekiah was on his deathbed. And the word's gotten out. You don't recover from this. He's, he's a goner. It's a matter of days. And now Hezekiah's up walking around. And so the king of Babylon goes, what was that? What Was it a false report? Did, did someone exaggerate? What, 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 what was that? So he sends messengers to Hezekiah to say, Hez- you're alive. Really? What happened? And in that moment, Hezekiah starts the first in a series of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. He, he, he walks these messengers around his house and says, man, dude, have you, have you seen how much stuff I've got? Have you seen my widescreen fountain? Have you seen my double-humped leather interior BMW camel? Have you seen says, "Stop! I got, I got stuff, man. I mean, I, 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 my life is good. And, and what you need to get in the culture especially, the way that a king has established him and said, look, look, you know, I'm powerful, I'm good. I, you show the stuff. So he's walking around saying, "You want to see the glory of Hezekiah? You get what just happened, right? Why is Hezekiah alive? Because he prayed, and God just spared him. And in that moment, in that moment, what does Hezekiah do? He steps into the glory. See, here's here's the thing." Don't you think God knew when Hezekiah prayed that if he healed Hezekiah, that the king of Babylon was going to go, huh? And that a messenger was coming. And don't you know that the very heart of God, the intent of God is when that messenger came from the king of Babylon, that that messenger would hear the story not of Hezekiah, the story of God. And that the glory of God would be told. And that messenger would go back to Babylon and report it. And suddenly maybe the king of Babylon would be saying, wow, maybe the God of Israel is stronger than the gods of Babylon. See, God, God was trying to touch a lot, to turn the glory. And instead Hezekiah steps into the You, you, and I live in a great moment. We, we, we just watched. I think a couple men do this the right way. How many guys saw the Super Bowl? Okay, all right, a couple of us. (laughs) Big sports church, you can tell. How many guys saw figure skating last week? All right. (laughs) So, you guys may not, you may have may have seen two guys, two coaches. Getting ready to play in the Super Bowl. Uh, Lovey Smith on, on the one side for the Indianapolis uh, Colts. Uh, Tony Dungey, oh, I'm sorry, for the Chicago Bears. I blew that. All right. Don't throw anything. All right. <clears throat> Lovey Smith for the losing Chicago Bears. All right. Tony Dungey for the Indianapolis Colts. And there was all sorts of hoopla going on. I don't know if you saw this. There was all sorts of hoopla going on ahead of time because here was the deal. For the first time, a black coach was going to win the Super Bowl because both coaches going were black and that had never happened before in the history of the NFL. And so there was all this buzz. There was all this talk. Hey, history is going to be made Super Bowl Sunday. First time ever. So they were interviewing and talking to these guys all along. In that moment, guess what these two men chose to do? They, begin, they, they chose to say, look look, 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 this isn't about me. And it's not about now. It's about him and what he wants to do with this moment. And, and I don't know if you saw, but uh, USA Today, full page spread, taken out. Picture of Lovey Smith, picture of Tony Dungy. And, and, and here's what it says. On Sunday... One of us will be world champions. It's the ultimate goal. But we know that there is a more to life than football. Even when you achieve the ultimate, something better lies beyond. We're pro football coaches, but we are also men of faith. A faith that defines who we are. It comforts us in tough times and produces hope in the midst of adversity. It is through our common faith in Jesus Christ. That we have individually experienced God's love and forgiveness. You you get what those two men just did. They said, no, 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 no. Not about me. Not about now. Not about my glory. About him. And God, what can you do to take this moment in my life and use it for your praise and glory? What do you want to do next? with what just happened. Tony Dungy standing up on the stand, receiving the trophy after the game was over, Indianapolis won, stood there and said something along this effect. They had said to him, Tony, how does it feel to be the first black coach to win uh, the Super Bowl? You gotta be proud, Gotta, gotta be a major life moment. Tony Dungy said, you know, I am, I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful to be representing all the black coaches in the NFL, but I am more proud that I stand here today As a follower of Jesus Christ. Showing that you can reach the highest pinnacles of life with Him. And you don't have to do it that other way. See, Tony Dunginu, it's not about me. It's not about now. It's about Him and what He wants to do next. See, one of my deepest fears is that you and I ever become a church that thinks it's about us. And it's about making us happy. And it's about making us comfortable. And it's about doing a service that we all like. You realize that's the wrong answer, right? I mean, how many people here would say, look, look, Lynn. Cornerstone is perfect just the way it is. How many would say that? Come on, I need one. One, look at that. All right, man. Come on, dude. Right there. One. One. Which is good because I don't even like it exactly how it is. You know, I mean, I go, I go, purple doors? What is that? If Barney, you live here? What is that? You know, I mean, purple doors. I'm the senior pastor. I don't like everything that goes on here. But here, here's the reality. If you were to take 10 of us and put us in the room and say, design the perfect church. You, you, you plan out what Cornerstone ought to be, what we ought to do next. You come up with the plan. 10 of you in a room. Guess how many opinions we'd have at the end of the day? Ten. Ten. Which you realize, guys, it's doomed. See, the minute we turn inward and the minute we say this is about us and it's about making us happy and it's about our little holy club, we're doomed. And the truth is we won't even be happy. How much more powerful to turn that moment and say, God, 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 what is it that you want to do with us? What's next? You guys realize we live in Maricopa County? One of the fastest growing counties in the entire United States for the last 12 years running. Us and Henderson, Nevada, fight every year to be the fastest growing county in the United States. 12 years running. So I wonder what it means that you and I are in a church, part of a church, in the fastest growing county in the United States. We're in Chandler one of the fastest growing cities in the fastest growing county in the United States. It's about us. We're in Chandler, Arizona, one of the fastest growing cities in one of the fastest growing counties in the United States and we're on Alma School and the 202. And I don't know about you, but I look around Chandler and... I don't get the sense that Chandler has figured out God yet. And is it possible? It's not about us. It's about what God wants to do with us in Maricopa, Arizona, Chandler, Von Alma School in the 202, to make himself famous. To do that. already told you hezekiah misses the moment hezekiah believes it's about him and about making himself happy and about the here and the now and watch what he does next verse 14 then isaiah the prophet went to the king hezekiah and he asked what did those men say and where did they come from oh they're, they're from a distant land hezekiah replied they came from babylon the prophet asked, what did they see in your palace? They saw everything in my palace, except God. They saw everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. The time will come when everything in your palace and all your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord, and some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, that will be born to you, will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Now I don't know about you, but if I'm one of the sons of Hezekiah, <laughs> no, whoa, 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 wait a minute! Dad's all about himself and here and now and me, and how come I'm a eunuch? Verse 19. Here's, here's the kicker. Watch this. Watch, watch what Hezekiah says when he hears the news. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied. Ready? For he thought, there will, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? Wow. See, you get what he's saying. He's saying, no, no, I'm okay with that because it's about me. And it's about now. And as long as I'm comfortable and as long as there's peace and security in my life. And he gives away next. That you and I, that you and I would ever say to God, long as I'm happy, Long as church is the way I want it to be. What if it's not about you and me? What if it's about next? Let me give, let me give you some things that, that define churches that figure this out. Okay? Number one. Churches that are all about next know this. Our goal is that our children be better than us. Our goal, our passion has got to be that those who come behind us are better than us. And not better off. No, no, this isn't about, okay, okay, my kid's going to have a five-seater swing set because I only had a two-seater swing set. This is about my kid's car is going to be two years old because mine was an old dump. That, that, not better off. Better. That my children are going to love Jesus more passionately than I loved. My children are going to serve God with more abandon than they saw in me. My children are going to know the word of God better than I knew. Because my generation, the next is going to be better than I was. It's what a church of next says. You ever seen a relay race? Yeah? It's not a trick question. Okay. You realize, Relay Race, you take the baton from the runner before you. You ready for this? You and I take the baton from Christians before us and we run this with all of our hearts so that when we hand off the baton, the next is better. The next is prepared to win because of how we hand it off. And and guys... When I I say hand off the baton, this this doesn't mean that you and I wait till we're all 80 years old. Well, you know, about time to hand off to those whippersnappers, 60-year-olds, you know, and trust them finally with the church. Maybe that 60-year-old's got all of his youthful enthusiasm out of him. No, no. See... Next means you and I are constantly saying, no, 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 come do church. Come, 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 lead. Come, learn. Come, do this with me. And that you and I are constantly handing off to those who are behind us and saying, come, 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 come do this. Come, be better than me. Come, love God more than me. Come, serve better than me. Here, let me tell you everything I've learned so that you are next. Which means this, guys. That every once in a while, you and I are going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Because you realize the next generation makes mistakes, and our children don 't always have it right, and, and sometimes they play their music too loud, and sometimes they have beards. What is that with all musicians and facial hair? What is that going? <laughs> And somewhere our hearts have to say, no, 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 no. no. I'd rather have them involved. Because here's the deal. If they're going to stumble, if they're going to struggle, if if they're going to figure this thing out, better that I'm with them. Better better that it's not exactly my church so that it can be their church and we can do church together. And and, and when they struggle, then I can bring them back to loving Jesus and serving. Because they're next. And it's about me giving them what I've already got so they can carry on when I'm not here. It's about next. You get this. The children can be both physical children. But guys, if, if it just becomes about those that have our DNA, if it just becomes about our physical children, that's still selfish, right? And the reality is, biblically, our children are also any Christians who are younger than us. That our call is to go to any believer who's a step behind and say to them, you're next. So let me tell you everything I've learned about God. Let me tell you everything I understand. Let me give that to you so that you, by the time you get to where I am, can be better than I am now. Because you're next. Junior year of high school. This little freshman kid in our youth group. Starts following me around everywhere. And I'm like, go away, go woo. You're weird, you know. And I don't know if you remember freshman year, I mean, junior year of high school, juniors don't hang out with freshmen. You take freshmen and stick them in a locker and close the door. That's what you do with freshmen. And then this guy's following me around. He's going, Lynn, can I ride to the store with you? No, you can't ride the. Ooh, that's weird. You know, I'm going. So I go to my youth pastor. I go, look, I, I don't know what to do. This little freshman's following me around. I don't know if he's got a man crush. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. My youth pastor, my youth pastor looks at me, and he says, "I'm a granddad." And I go, "What do you talk? What do you mean?" He said, "I have spent my time with you, being a spiritual father." To you. Trying to share with you, Lynn, everything I know about Jesus so that, Lynn, you'll be better than me someday. God just gave you a son. God just gave you a next in your life who your job is to give him everything you know about Jesus so that he'll be better than you someday. It's the church of next. Which says it's not about me, and it's okay if I'm uncomfortable. Can I just say to you, I, there are people in this church, and I know it. I, I know it. There are people in this church who come every Sunday and go, "Man, that is not my music." That pastor dresses really weird. <laughs> you know, I, I get it. I get it. But your heart is to see what God is going to do in this place. And and so you're willing to say, look, 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 I'm okay. okay. It's not exactly how I would do it. It's not exactly, I want to see next. I want to see what God is bringing and causing and having happen. I, I, I can do the rest as long as I can be part of next and if I get the opportunity in this context to take everything I know about Jesus and share it with a young share it with someone who's just behind me in the Lord, I don't care if they got facial hair. Because they're next. they're next. Okay. All right. We're out of time. I want to tell you how proud I am to be the pastor of this church because this church has always been a place of next. See, we just built a building out there. You realize that's about next, right? Because here's the answer. You and I already had seats and so did our kids. So why did we just sacrifice and why did we put that big pile of bricks together? Because we said, what's God going to do next? We just, we just built a building over here and, and, and we're putting a whole bunch of wacky world stuff. I think I told you about that. It's kind of like one step down from Disneyland for our kids. And you go, whoa, 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 whoa why are we doing that? We're doing that because McDonald's has such great food. <laughs> no, 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 no. Why do people end up at McDonald's? Because it's got a great playground. And their children go, please take me, please take me. And we said, what would it be like if you had a church where children were saying, oh, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go. And when they got here... We shared Bible with them. See, that would be next. And I'm just, you see him here? We're okay as long as we are always a people of next. So let me ask you one question real quick. Do you have a next in your life? Do you have someone who you're giving everything you know and understand about God so that they'll be better than you when they get to where you are today? Do you have a next? And if you don't, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we... We just come before you in this moment and we just say, God, please, please, please keep us a church of next. Keep us a church that says, look, I get it. I get it. The music may not be my music. The, it, it just it, it may not. And, and, and they may do things. I don't care if I can just be part of next because it's not about me. And it's not about now. It's about the people who come behind us, loving Jesus more, serving God more fervently believing their Bibles more deeply because I was willing not to have my church, but to create a place where they could come and be next. Oh God, show us what you're going to do next. In Jesus' name, Amen. And next, we're going to do communion. And uh, if you haven't been here before, I just want to say that uh, communion here is open to everybody who knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. So if you're a believer, you've asked Jesus Christ in your heart, in just a minute you feel absolutely free to go. Any of these tables or all around. Get your communion, head back to your chair. I think it's kind of a cool Sunday to do this. Because you realize when Jesus hung on that cross 2,000 years ago, He wasn't thinking about me and now. He was thinking about us. Next. Isn't that powerful? So for you and I to go to this table and say, Jesus, thank you. (laughs) Thank you that you were not a savior of me and now, but instead a savior of next. Because I was next. And we just celebrate that together. Let's pray. dearest Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for a Savior who prayed in the garden, not my will, but thine. And who went to the cross, not for himself, but for us. And God, we just celebrate that. We praise you for that. We lift your name up. In Jesus' precious name, amen.